Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Welcome to the final Talking Comics end of the year celebration. December 28th is the date and you're listening to episode number 578. My name is Steve Say and I'll be your host this year. And joining me for this continuation. No, for the... Fuck. I have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every time I'm drinking and I spit it back out. <laughs> All right, hello and welcome to the final Talking Comics end of year celebration. December 28th is the date and you're listening to episode number 578. My name is Steve Say. <laughs> Screw it up again. I'll be your host this year and joining me for this the year? continuation. <laughs> what? You do it again. He said it every time. Oh. I'll be your host this year. Okay. Yeah. What's the, what's the problem with that? <laughs> this week? Uh, this- Usually, no. He's saying this year because it's a celebration. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Man, all right. Maybe, Doing maybe it again. we needed a longer break. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it from the top. Third time's a charm. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the final Talking Comics end of year celebration. December twenty eighth is the date, and you're listening to episode number five hundred and seventy eight. My name is Steve Say, and I'll be your host this year. And joining me for this continuation of this exciting event are my best friends in comics, Bob Ryer. I tell you, Santa mustn't have been happy with my picks. I got coal in my stocking and a copy of Morbius on Blu-ray. Joey Brachino's coming down the chimney. What's going on? Uh, I'm currently podcasting from my honeymoon right now, if it's December 28th. Ooh! Yeah. So I don't know how I'm here. Such commitment, <laughs> magic commitment. Did you go to Australia? I am currently there. What? That's exciting. I mean, no, just like because we're when this episode drops, I'll be there. Yeah, it's the time difference, right? That's how you can do it. Mm. Yes, that's exactly. It. Of course, of course. Enjoy the wildlife, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> Aaron Amos is here. Isn't it awkward that we all came to Joey's honeymoon? <laughs> it is now <laughs> John Burkle is in the house I woke up from my food coma from Turducken times two <gasps> to do this episode oh. you're doing a Turducken for the holidays? I'm gonna do another one yes what? he's double dipping he is double my, dipping you're double be, fisting those Turduckens my first one didn't turn out to my um, my high standards He's like, so I can't I gotta, let the year gotta, end. I can't let the year end with that. So going for round two. Wow. 
Um, a gingerbread house fell on Chris Carey, so they're not here with us. <laughs> she caught a charge this week. <laughs> but Bronwyn Kelly Say is also in the house. And happy almost new year to all of you. Yes. You are literally in the house. You are downstairs in the basement. <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> I'm a basement right. dwelling nerd. That's right. Why do I imagine you two are like um, Han and Luke in the Millennium Falcon at the end and you're yes. looking down the stairs at each other and giving yourselves thumbs up? Yeah, that's actually shooting, kid. remarkably that's accurate. <laughs> podcasting, kid. <laughs> I hate how true that is. And I go like, Wahoo! Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> meeting of the minds on the couch in the main room yep yeah. all right we're taking a different approach to our annual awards format by making this year's presentation a comics jubilee not a competition even though it has kind of felt like that in some of these previous episodes but you know whatever uh for the third and final part of our celebration, featured members of the Talking Comics podcast will give presentations about comics they love throughout the year with categories of their choosing. After the presentations, we'll discuss the titles mentioned and reveal our picks for a handful of shared topics. Because variety is the spice, topics this year can range from comics to video games, movies, music, and more. These shows are our way of recognizing greatness across the spectrum of mediums, and we hope that you enjoy the new format. Before the show, I used a single die to determine the order of our presentations, and wouldn't you know it, John Burkle and Aaron Amos are the last <laughs> to go. Saving the best for last, right, Aaron? There you go. And uh, in, in, in true uh, shining on Aaron fashion, John, you are up first. All right. <laughs> Um, obviously this, a lot of good comics came out this year. So I kind of broke mine down, uh, amongst in three different, well, a few different sections. So I'll start with ongoing series, um, Marvel. I, I've really been enjoying immortal X-Men. That book is every week or every time it comes out is a must read from issue number one, which blew me away with the sinister commentary. Uh, the Sleeper X-Men book has been X-Men Red, which is consistently fun. Um, and then the, the Gary Dugan X-Men with Pepe Larraz uh, and then uh, Joshua Casera has recently taken over has been uh, just a fun, big flagship title that, that the X-Men really needed in this new era. Honorable mentions, John Ridley's Black Panther is, is a great uh, exploration of that character. And Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr.'s uh, Amazing Spider-Man has made me like Spider-Man again. It's been a while since I feel invested in Peter Parker's uh, life, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, Image, I think Image continues, but a couple good things. One of them was shocking to me. I, did, I had no idea what this book was going to be, but Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, uh, Rick Remender, uh, a tale of a sunny... Uh, a hitman whose life goes off the rails because of some interesting choices was a fantastic read. That Texas blood every month, every time it comes out, I can't wait to read it. But probably my favorite new image book this year was Newburn. Uh, Chip Zdarsky and uh, Jacob Phillips's 
tale of Easton Newburn, a former police detective who now works for the mafia as a as a investigator and keeps the peace between all the families in New York. Uh, there were just eight issues of it this year, but damn, that was good. And it just proved that uh, Zdarsky really can write anything. But DC, I think, had some of my favorite comics this year. Uh, Tom Taylor's Son of Kal-El was just an amazing coming-of-age story, uh, coming-out story, uh, just truly a beautiful book uh, for all these 18 issues. It'll be interesting to see what the new incarnation is in 2023, but I loved every moment of it this year. Nightwing, The Adventures of Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. It should be Nightwing and Batgirl. Um, and those two finally coming to uh, the logical conclusion of their relationship has been delightful. But the two ma- big books for me this year, Batman, Chip Zdarsky. Once Chip Zdarsky took over Batman, uh, that book has just leaps and bounds. And it was already a, of a high standard. Uh, the fail-safe arc was enthralling. And to see its conclusion this past week, I don't know where they're going from here, but I can't wait to find out. And then the true revelation this year was Batman, Superman, World's Finest. Uh, this v- almost vintage pre-crisis uh, DC universe that Mark Wade is obviously uh, in love with. And... I mean, it's the DC of his youth and him and Dan Mora have crafted a truly classic superheroic story here. And it's, it's called Batman and Superman, but you got Robin, you got Supergirl, uh, you have the Doom Patrol, you have Green Lantern. It is an eclectic group of heroes and really one of the highlights of 2022 for me. Then I wanted to do miniseries. So my second category for series was miniseries. There were a lot of really good ones this year. Um, I spoke last week about uh, Radiant Red, uh, Terrace Chen and David Lou LaFuente's uh, five-issue miniseries set in the Radiant universe, uh, where Radiant Red is uh, trying to decide does she want to be a good person or a bad person, uh, all dealing with uh, marital troubles on top of it. I've really loved the Radiant universe uh, this year, but this one... Uh, really had some powerful moments. Uh, I, I would be remiss, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but Do a Powerbomb is life-changing comics. It was <laughs> such an immaculate seven issues. I, I don't know. Uh, I thought Murder Falcon was the pinnacle, but this might this this eclipses it in my book. Um, oh! I'm sorry. This book was... No, no apologies. I just, that's, uh, that's bold. But they're both, you know, they're both fantastic. Um, but then DC had some killer miniseries this year. Uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight continues to blow me away. Uh, 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 Sean Gordon Murphy's uh, continuing alternate tale uh, of, uh, of Batman. Uh, Batman the Knight, uh, Chip Zdarsky's uh, retelling of Batman's origins uh, was really fantastic. DC versus vampires. This book is so much fun. Uh, the alternate universe where Nightwing is the king of the vampires and a small group of heroes is trying to right the ship. And I think what I really like about it is 
the main characters have been taken off the board and you have a lot of B-level and C-level heroes uh, really shining in that. Uh, Joey mentioned it a couple weeks ago, JLA versus the Legion of Superheroes, although there was no verses in it, um, <laughs> was just, if, if Bendis's JLA run had been this, it would have been a hallmark run. Uh, this this little mini series was fantastic. One of the best things Bendis did while at DC was um, his Legion of Superheroes run with Ryan Sook, and this this was kind of a a, a cap on that. Um, but my favorite mini series of the year was King of Spies by Mark Miller and Mar- uh, Matteo Scolari. This is a four issue Image Universe. Uh, it's, it's what happens if James Bond finds out that he's dying of brain cancer and he decides to take revenge on all of the bastards that he's covered up for over his (laughs) 40 year career. And he, it is one of the most violently fun books I read all of last year. It is fantastic. And it's covers are amazing. They look like old, uh, uh, British spy books like Mac Bolan and the executioner and, all those old uh, kind of post pulpy uh, books of that, that era. So those are my mini series. And then this was the year of events, uh, DC and um, Marvel uh, put out some pretty good ones. Uh, Devil's reign, which re- uh, kind of wrapped up Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's first uh, daredevil run was a lot of fun. It felt like the, uh, mid 2000s uh, civil war house of m uh, type of, of mini series and or event and it was really a good read acts uh, avengers x-men eternals don't worry joey you'll get there um was <laughs> uh, was it was a lot more fun than than i thought it was going to be um just some great snarkiness and it was all over the place it was big it was fun, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Dark Crisis hasn't ended yet, or has it by this point? It's probably ended. It was ended fantastic. Man, they stuck that landing. Um, <laughs> I, I I didn't think it was necessary, but I'm having fun with it. Um, it it's been, it's been uh, a good build. I, I know that DC is kind of uh, hammering the crisis into the floor lately. But uh, this one's been fun, but probably the best event DC put out this year, and I bet a lot of people slept on it, Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, Jeff Johns and Zermonico with Mikkel Janin. Uh, if you're loving the new JSA reboot and the Golden Age special, some of that is linked to this, this little six-issue miniseries. I didn't know we needed to revisit the Flashpoint universe, and if you would have asked me a year ago, did we? I would have said no, but this was a fun alternate world story that uh, was a really powerful event. And then the last little thing here, uh, series that ended. So my poor one out award. Um, <laughs> I love it. I got three books That's that awesome. I'm really going to miss. Seven Secrets, Once in Future, and Deadly Class. Um, mm. Three oh, really yeah. powerful books. Seven Secrets was obviously a pod favorite. Uh, Once in Future was a book that just snuck up on me, but when it was gone, I, I you know, I, it, it's a, it is a full culmination of 30 issues that uh, masterfully um, crafted and constructed, 
and very rarely do I feel like a book sticks the landing, but they did. And then Deadly Class has always been one of my favorite books. Um, uh, going and, and this is a, one of the things with Image. Sometimes the books kind of get really white hot and then kind of they're still there, but people forget about them. Uh, and I feel Deadly Class was one of those books, but uh, Rick Remender and Wes Craig's stories of, of an assassination high school, really fun uh, over the course of its almost, I think almost, almost a decade run at this point. Um, some really fun graphic novels, uh, FF Full Circle, Alex Ross, um, The Passageway, which opens up the Bone Orchard mythos oh, uh, yeah. for Jeff Lemire and Sorrentino. And one of the sad points of our talking comics year for me, for all the work I did to that never interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joey said it. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have gotten sucked in. Um, reckless, the two reckless ghost in you, which I thought was a great departure by focusing on Anna, uh, Ethan Reckless's assistant. Uh, and then follow me down, which is for the time being the last reckless story. And it was a hell of a way to go out. Um, but I'm kind of, calling an audible here because i don't know if it was a graphic novel i don't know if it was a a mini series but it was by and far one of the coolest books i saw and one of the most beautiful books i saw this year and that is the three issue black uh label aquaman andromeda by ram v and christian ward oh my god christian ward might be one of the few artists who can make me feel like i was underwater um you have classic submarine uh you know claustrophobic storytelling with uh, big big sci-fi and and magic and it was just so cool it, it fits nowhere in the dc universe but it was amazing and if this is what dc is going to use the black label for i am fully on board because this was so beautiful so compelling so dramatic and it it it's just it's a high point for Aquaman. A few uh, movies, TV that I, I really got into. Uh, TV first. Uh, Moon Knight, obviously, was, was a lot of fun. Uh, Miss Marvel, God, that 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 show just just reaffirmed my love for Kamala Khan. She Hulk was so much fun. Uh, how they just literally took the the comic book and put it on TV with the fourth wall and all of that. Um, Peacemaker was just debauched fun. Uh, I loved it. I didn't think John Cena could carry that show. I was incredibly wrong. And another season of the boys also debauched fun. I don't know oh, which yeah. is more debauched, but uh, I got to go with the boys, especially with the first episode when, uh, size changing abilities nope. go wrong. Um, I'll just leave it there. Don't, don't, I don't need to relive that. <laughs> <laughs> but probably the most amazing TV work this, this year is the Sandman. It, it is a yeah. literal page by page adaptation of Neil Gaiman, uh, classic Sandman series. I am so happy. Netflix finally confirmed a second season because if we did not get more of this, then I would cancel my Netflix subscription and that would just be <laughs> damaging to them, you know. <laughs> anyway, movies. I enjoyed Doctor Strange, um, uh, Multiverse of Madness. Uh, 
Wakanda forever, tears, laughs, more tears, uh, just just an epic that we really, really needed. And then even even though it's not everybody's favorite, I enjoyed the hell out of the Batman. Uh, I love the Matt Reeves uh, direction. I like the darkness. Uh, it, it will not let me listen to Nirvana music in the same way because that that score w- was phenomenal. Uh, it was just a great movie. Uh, and then just kind of wrapping up here, I had some just really good moments and, and things that going on. I am so glad that the one bad days are out there. Uh, the penguin, the Riddler, yeah. uh, the two face. And then uh, Mr. Freeze just came out. Uh, those are some really good stuff that John Ridley written penguin. That is a, that is a pinnacle penguin story. That, that, that one's outstanding. So, yeah. That's so good. Um, the, the Riddler one, the final page of the Riddler one makes me truly question. It's almost like, the end of Sopranos. You can make it what you want to make it, but better. Um, the Nightwing and ba- Barbara Gordon finally admitting that they uh, that they they they're meant to be together. Um, in in uh, <laughs> uh, Nightwing num- number ninety five, when Dick looks over and he goes, "They know my secret identity. You won't be safe." And she's like, "Shut up. We're fine." Um, <laughs> that was just such a good moment. And then maybe one of my favorite moments of the year happened in this past week um, where Batman uh, realizes what it takes to defeat Failsafe and he pulls on his mask and he says he might be able to beat Batman, but he can't beat Batman and Robin. And then Dick or Tim's there. He's like, damn straight. Oh, so good. What a great way to end the year. Um, Just we've had a phenomenal year. We've had great books. We've had really powerful writers out there like Zdarsky, um, like uh, uh, Tom Taylor, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson blew me away. And then having the return of Mark Wade, I know he didn't go anywhere, but something about Mark Wade on DC Books is just amazing. He obviously, some of his Marvel stuff like Fantastic Four uh, and in more recent years, the champions are phenomenal. But Mark Wade in DC just screams a match made in heaven to me. Uh, and then, like I said, my favorite artwork of the year, uh, Jorge Jimenez, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. My God, some of those pages in Do a Powerbomb. When Cobra Sun goes up to the top and does a flip, and yep. I was like, oh, my God, my stomach dropped. Oh, my God, that's so good. Um, Dan Mora from Once in Future through World's Finest, just amazing work. And like I said, Christian Ward on Andromeda, that that book made me feel claustrophobic, like I was lost underwater, and I loved it. I I don't know what 2023 brings. Hopefully, it brings a, a better year, uh, but it's going to have a high bar to meet some of these comics this year. Because I was sitting down, like 2022 felt like nah, and then I'm looking at this stuff, I'm like, no, 2022 was actually a pretty damn good year in comics and hopefully 2023 brings some just as good, if not better stuff. And I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) 18 minutes, John. All right. Everyone understood the assignment, which was great. Right. Beat Joey by a minute. Hey, (laughs) um, 
my add, add to my list of things that I wish I read in 2022 because y'all have been raving about it are those one bad day books. Oh, good. oh so you good. Guys, that yeah. Paisley one especially. The Riddler one, too. I know, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I have to say, I spent the last night and a half catching up with World's Finest. Uh, I don't know why I dropped off of that book. I probably got distracted by one of the many other bad books that I was reading. <laughs> but can we not give it up for Robin in oh, that yeah. series yeah. and Mark yeah. Wade's uh, yeah. depiction of that character. How funny is he throughout this series? And I absolutely love spoilers, I suppose for world's finest of um, Robin kind of getting lost to time yeah. and the way that he comes back into the story. I was totally ready to launch into this, you know, expansive next arc of them looking for signs throughout time for Robin <laughs> to go and find him. And yeah. in the very next issue, they find him at like seven pages in. And I'm just like, Oh, that's like how comics used to be. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Like it was, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. So we're, that's not going to be the story. We're not going to be spending the next three to four issues looking for him. And he's not going to be in the book. He comes right back and he comes back in such a way that like celebrates the origin of that character. And he's still doing his detective thing while he's working for this other circus. Batman shows up. They do this whole trapeze act. That is just amazing. That double page or spread is so good, but world's finest is the other bat book that I didn't know I needed in my life where (laughs) like Wayne family adventures is way, way, way up at the top of Batman books that actually make you smile world's finest has a lot of that as well Mm -hmm. um and it's evident right from the very first issue you know and i just i love the relationship the respect and the the deep and abiding love that bruce Mm -hmm. and uh and cal have for each other in this series and even the the support character is incredible i love the doom patrol coming in for a couple of issues to mix it up with everybody uh, just an absolutely incredible, incredible series. I'm so glad that I caught up with it before uh, we talked about everything today so that I know where everybody's coming from. It's positively brilliant. And it's probably the, the healthiest relationship between a Batman and a Robin yep. uh, being written right now because it's not all based in trauma for everyone. Outside but, uh, of yeah. Wayne Family Adventures. Well, okay. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> so, so, but no, I, I, I have difficulty even re, you know, referring to this as a Batman book, to be honest with you, because I don't ever feel as though it completely lands itself in the, the Bat universe or the Superman universe. It's sort of just become this sort of landing spot for whatever story that Mark Wade wants to tell. And, you know, we can put Batman and Superman on the title because we know it'll probably push issues, but we're going to throw in whatever characters yeah. you know suit the story i will say the one mystery that is outstanding to me is what happened between uh kara and dick i don't know, <laughs> what, what, I know what created that that animosity between them they never got back to it they promise they'll they'll get to it in the future yeah hmm. wade has said that he'll touch on it eventually like something happened and yeah. it was and she's she was salty <laughs> <laughs> And you bring up so many good books. I don't know what to hit on next. Righteous Thirst for Vengeance is also one that yeah. I saw a lot on people's mm-hmm. lists. And I was like, damn, I just I missed it. Fuck. That you know? book got real <laughs> nasty, though. It escalated. At one point. Yeah. 
It you know what I'm talking about. People oh, sitting yeah. in chairs doing things they mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing. Oh, oh wow. Oh. Body parts oh. that go bye-bye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that series, I, I, I was really, really um, hooked on it. It was like one of the first things that I would read when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then we hit this point in the story. Where I was like, whoa, we're going to turn the the violence up to 11 on this. And I'm still there and I'm still with it. But I just I talk about something throughout the year that was genuinely shocking to read with every issue that was definitely in there. The pacing of that story is is fantastic. Mm hmm. It's cinematic. I mean, that that would make an incredible movie. Mm. And it probably will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, King of of Spies sounds a lot like Jimmy's Bastards. You remember this book? Garth Ennis did it like three years ago. Yeah, Yeah. But I don't think he had the rights to James Bond, so the character's name was like Jimmy Jimmy Mm -hmm. something. Jimmy Schmond or something, you know, I <laughs> know <laughs> it was the same thing. It was like, Oh no, my bastards are back. You know? Yeah. But I'm sure Mark Millar did a much more nuanced and careful job with the plot than Garth Ennis oh, did. Yeah. But it's very Miller where it's just, just crazy violent and over the topness. Um, so, but yeah, it, it, it's, it kind of shocked me how much I enjoyed it. It's one of those ones I think when I sat down, to make these lists, I was like, that book just keeps coming back to me. That, that That's mm-hmm. telling me something. Yeah. That's awesome. That is Speaking cool. of shocking, when you opened up the Alex Ross Fantastic Four, was it a little bit uh, jarring to see his art look so different? I Kind of, but I I mean, I remember this, this is how he used to do it. I mean, he was, he was an art, a regular artist before he moved into like all of the, the realistic painting and so forth. He did um, the Terminator series years and years and years, years ago, ago. Sure. And this kind of reminded me of when he did the breakdowns for um, earth X and then John Paul Leon finished it. So, but no, it, it, it took me a moment to realize that that was Alex Ross, but it also makes me realize of what could have been if Marvel had gone forward with that run. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a pitch. If that's, what it, that's what it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man, this Fantastic Four book I'm looking at it right now is just crazy. I love it. Um, anybody else got anything for John that they want to talk about before we move on? No. All right, uh, Aaron, I believe it is your turn. So whenever you're ready, give us your presentation. Okay, the, the big finish, the big finale. Look at that. All right. So anyway, so. <laughs> At the highest level, you know, when I think about uh, 2022, what I think I love the most is the evolution of representation in all forms of the media that I enjoy. And and the fact that it wasn't as difficult as, as it has been in the past to find it, you know, growing up, it was always difficult to th- see things that represented me or people like me that wasn't sort of derogatory or limiting or, or something to that effect. So um, the fact that it's getting easier to sort of look through television and comics and any other form of media to sort of see that is encouraging still have a long way to go, but I think, you know, it is there. And so when I was thinking of the comics that I read, I did begin to see a theme, um, you know, starting again, we've talked about this already on the show with sins of the black flamingo. It's just fun queerness baked into a great noir mystery story by Andrew Wheeler, just the way that, that story just takes so many aspects of our community and just puts it forward, but at the same time doesn't make it a spectacle, but rather the 
you know, sort of the, the reality of what that community is in this type of story that it's trying to tell. Joey mentioned earlier, The Good Asian. Um, then also, I was remembering the two books that I read, uh, New Masters by Shobhan Shaf and then Land of the Living Gods by Isaac Mogahani. Um, these books were incredible in that they based the stories entirely in Africa, interjected the stories with, you know, African slang, gave you translations, gave you history and background for them, um, added that science fiction side to it. Um, and it, again, the spectacle of it wasn't that it was in Africa, but rather it was a story being told from someone's perspective who's in Africa. Not everyone who reads these comics are going to want to see what life is like in Metropolis or, or you know, or New York or wherever. So I, I loved being able to read those books and sort of getting that, that sort of taste for, for that type of storytelling. Same with Dark Blood, which ended very early in the year, uh, but Latoya Morgan also giving you a little bit of history uh, in a story that she was telling with, that I think, as well as a science fiction that I think was just great. Um, and then again, we've been talking about this uh, recently, Mark Millar, uh, Prodigy, The Magic Order, the types of characters yeah. that he has created and pushed forward where diversity is just a thing. It's not, again, I'm going to keep using the word, a spectacle. It's not the the catch. It's not the thing that's supposed to draw you in. It's just a thing that is, you know, encompassing his storytelling. Because the storytelling itself is great. It's nuanced. It's it's representative of everything. Representative of families. Representative of, of diversity and, and, and ethnicity. You know, just opinions. Um, everything. So I, I really connect with or have connected with his style, his style of storytelling, um, it, it just really hits all the, the marks. Steve mentioned earlier, uh, Flawed. Um, there's a couple books, Flawed and The Dead Lucky. I think both of those books by Chuck Brown and uh, Melissa Flores, both of those books hitting on uh, being represented by uh, persons of color, you know, pushing women forward, you know, into the primary roles in those books, the hero roles in those books, but also talking about trauma and redemption. Um, and, and the impacts, not just on the individual, but also on the people around them and how they choose to deal with them and whether or not they can, can persevere. Um, another book that is relatively new, but also pushing a, a woman of color forward, GCPD, The Blue Wall, John Ridley. Um, only a couple issues in, but Renee Montoya. You know, and I know that the, the, the goal is always to make these characters the hero right off the bat and, and make them above reproach. But I think the fact that he is basing this character in reality, the reality of the police force, the police force that we know today, um, and giving them nuance and giving them layers um, and a giant blue wall, literally, to, <laughs> to, to deal with, you know, as she's taken over as commissioner, I think it's, it's, it's great storytelling. Um, which I think John Ridley does so well. John Ridley adds that layer, as you remember with the other books, the uh, other history books that he did. Um, he brings that hit of reality into the comic storytelling, which I think just gives it an entirely new flavor, an entirely new look, um, and almost makes it impossible to to read that book and then consider that there is a, a Batman in Gotham or consider that there is a Superman because he's giving you the reality of what life is like. So I've, I've really connected with with those books. Um, and then again, representation against Superman, Son of Kal-El, the one we talked about already, that we have gay relationships, you have someone's coming out story, you have someone dealing with their family, the family acceptance, not just acceptance, but sort of family support and, and, and just sort of embracing, you know, who that character is, while at the same time, and this is for all the dude bros, as Steve was said, uh, out there, while at the same time, <laughs> Word of the giving year. you that 
story, that's Superman's story, still giving you the the pow, the zoom, the you know, the tights and flights and all that stuff that you love. Um, just saying that it can all exist in this world where we have acceptance of all these other things. So those are the things that sort of clicked and connected with me. We've mentioned, again, I'm going back to the strong diverse lead uh, category that I talk, I keep talking about. Once in Future with Bridget, Shadow Service. Uh, I know not a lot of people have read that, but that's from Vault Comics. Um, it's giving you a very Buffy vibe to it with the strong character who has evolved uh, since I first brought it up. X-Men Red with Storm being front and center and just being this well thought out, strong, um, at times flawed, but self-aware character. Jane Foster, the mighty Thor, Nubia. Um, again, strong, complex, competent, and diverse women in these lead roles. So that's kind of where I was with that. Then we move into the Milestone universe, which I have thoroughly enjoyed. I know you haven't heard me talk about it a lot lately, but I have thoroughly enjoyed seeing books like Static, uh, The Blood Syndicate, Duo, Icon and Rocket, and Hardware come back and build out this Dakotaverse, um, a, a universe where, again, is not the spectacle. Diversity is not the spectacle, but is just the reality of it all. But then at the same time, not trying to fit these characters into a super... Uh, Divert, what's what I'm looking for? So they're not trying to fit these characters into the normal DC universe, which let's be honest, is not always as diverse as it has been. It should have been in the past, just creating this special space for them um, where everyone can sort of see something and, and respond to it, which I've loved. And these stories have been very um, representative of what's going on in those communities. It's also, again, continuing to give you the superhero goodness, continuing to give you the stuff that you that connects connects with you as a nerd. Um, so I really enjoy that. And I'm definitely looking forward to see what comes of it in the future. Um, as, and you'll probably hear me talk a little bit more about uh, the Milestone universe when I get to a couple, another portion of what I'm going to talk about here. Um, also, I will say we attended NYCC this year, and I, I talked a little bit about this on the show. Uh, but being in one of, those one of those panels, I think it was a Marvel panel, and seeing this diverse list of artists and writers who are going to be front and center in Marvel, Cody Ziegler, Eve Ewing, Danny Lohr, John Jennings, um, all getting really good front and center books this year, this coming year that I'm, I'm super excited about. So hearing that news uh, was really, really, really encouraging. Now, this may not necessarily strike everyone as being, um, what I'm going to talk about next is being sort of hitting on diversity, but reviving the X universe um, and creating, and I say reviving it even since the X of Swords sort of launched, because I think we all felt like it hit a a snag, but reviving mm. that that X universe again in 2022 and creating this complex and thought provoking list, uh, group of stories um, that not only place people of color in forward facing roles, but continue to show that you can reinvent, you know, a well known franchise and make it entirely fresh while remembering history. And I say that because I think we've all known that mutants have always been an allegory for people of color, you know, in comics, uh, and and I always see it that way. Uh, so just being able to see that happen, um, you know, after we've we all sort of got to this point, where we were just about to kind of fall off of it and see it bounce back again. I was really happy to see in 2022. So that's kind of in the comics world. Jumping over to television, we talked about them. Uh, Ms. Marvel, just seeing that diversity there, seeing that character, seeing a character who wasn't, as I will say, CW'd into oblivion. Um, just uh, a character who looked real and was fun and had personality and who I'd actually like to say hi to if I saw him in the street, as opposed to yes. someone I would completely walk away from and just say, go eat a sandwich <laughs> um, and, and, and be fine with. 
Um, I thought that show was beautifully told, um, respectful of culture, um, and and sort of led the way for what we hope to expect to expect from Marvel uh, and Disney Television moving forward. Same with She Hulk. I just I loved it, loved it. Um, you know, I had my my comments and my statements about it as we were talking, but it didn't take away from how much I enjoyed the episode. Something that I'm shocked hasn't been talked about so far: uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Uh, I <laughs> absolutely loved that show. Um, that we have, I'm shocked that we haven't talked about it more. You know, uh, you know, in 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 the list. But I, I love that show. I love the diversity of it. Again, going back to the dude bros who are all sort of flailing, <laughs> because God forbid we have a world where orcs and fairies and wizards and hobbits can exist, but not a person of color. Um, so you know, oh, God, God forbid. Um, <laughs> People are so ridiculous. They're so dumb. I mean, God Why forbid. are they so dumb? Because <laughs> <laughs> because they're allowed to be. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. Also, something else that I really enjoyed this year, and I had to think about it because I was trying to remember, um, there was a Green Lantern Beware My Power movie um, in the DC Animated Universe. Loved Jon Stewart getting the, some of the love that he has been denied um, for, for quite a while. Um, going back to the Milestone talk, the Milestone Generation uh, documentary on HBO Max, really, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed seeing where they're going, uh, seeing them get their due, seeing the history, how they took that sort of grassroots Approach to thing, uh, giving props to Wayne McDuffie, rest in peace. Great. Um, something else I really enjoyed, sex education. Uh, yes, this year. yes uh, we've been so watching that. Good. Loved, loved, loved. And that segues right into the Doctor Who announcements associated with that. So just, again, diversity front and center. Yes. Every type of lifestyle front and center. It's all there. It's all coming. We live in this world, people. Deal I'm with so it. I'm so excited. Um, uh, then, again, uh, Black Panther, going into movies. Black Panther. Oh. It is what it is. Um, poor one out. I loved it. Um, saw it twice. The emotional the arc of that was necessary, which we've, I've said all along in the, in the show. It was necessary. It was necessary as a, a fan of Chadwick, but also as a fan of the movie and as a fan of Black Panther for us to go through those phases so that we can breathe life into what's to come next. We had to get over this hurdle. We had to get through this to sort of breathe life into what Marvel is going to offer next. Also, I enjoyed the Batman. Had some issues with it. I just saw it again on HBO, which is what I'm saying. I enjoyed the Batman. I enjoyed the uh, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. I'll leave that there. Um, but shocked upon shocked uh, that we haven't all been raving about everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Yeah. Literally um, the best movie I've the, ever seen. The greatest movie Michelle Yeoh, goddamn world treasure. Yep. Basically, <laughs> um, this movie Her was seconded. everything it needed to be all day, every day. Um, and I just loved it. I loved the heart. I loved the the, the relationships there with uh, parent and child. The fact that it was the center of the universe. You know what what was, you know, controlling the center of the universe and just sort of recognizing, you know, the life you live may not be the one you've chosen, but it's the one you have. So let's make that the best of it. Um, I thought that was just great. I think that was sort of maybe a theme that sort of you know hit me all through the year. Um, I, I'm glad you guys mentioned it earlier, but again, I did read Batman Unburied um, for the you know while I was driving to and from the wedding of Pacino. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's just saying something else I did this year that I thought was amazing was Lauren Collins, friend of the show, came down. And we went to go see John Williams' 90th birthday celebration at the Kennedy Center and oh, got cool. to listen to tributes for all of the, 
the incredible scores that he's created, you know, obviously for the Star Wars and Dina Jones and all those other things, that was an incredible, incredible experience. Um, and then lastly, I, I do have one favorite cover. And I'm just going to say this because I feel like it needs to be said. Uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 17 by Travis Moore and Tamara Bonvillon. No other reason than it celebrates Superman's meaty nipples. Yeah. So that's, that's where oh, we're going. And that is, is that, my little roundup for uh, this year. Is that the farm work cover? Yep. Yeah. There were some uh, meaty Superman nipples in World's Finest as well when he was uh, at the circus posing as the strong man. <laughs> and uh, that, the woman that ran the, the circus was hanging all over him. Uh, he should come back to my tent. So the moral huh? of the story is Superman has meaty nipples. Yep. <laughs> that right there is the story of 2022. There you go. And that's it for me this year. Nicely yeah, I mean, done. listen, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the best movie of 2022, but I thought this was a comics podcast, so I didn't bring it up. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the the thing for me that I'm glad you brought up that um, I just couldn't fit into my lightning round because it was 18 minutes, which was <laughs> close there, um, was the Milestone stuff. And I know that you and I watched the Milestone documentary. We talked about it, and uh, it is just a wonderful corner of the – the DC publishing line. Actually, I take that back. Not even a corner anymore. I think it's going to get bigger and bigger as mm-hmm. the years go on. Uh, we already have these kind of like spin-off books coming out of it with duo. So yeah, I, I I'm just really, really taken with a lot of those books mm-hmm. and knowing more of the history after the HBO documentary has really, um, you know, reaffirmed its importance to the line and to the industry and to the history of comics. Yep. Absolutely. I I just think that they, they had an objective when they reinvigorated that line or relaunched that line. I think the objective is they're They are on their way to meeting that objective. I think they have done some great work. I think they've told some good stories. There's, there's, you know, they've given some access to uh, writers and artists that, you know, probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do this type of work uh in other places so i'm 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 on board to see what happens in in 2023 so yeah i'm definitely excited about it i didn't realize that john ridley is doing that gcpd the blue wall hell yeah dude yeah it's good i can't lie it's 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 good if there's a good book going at dc right now john ridley might be writing it (laughs) i am batman's fun yeah, I was gonna say I am Batman. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't Ridley Ridley did that Penguin? Um, he did the one Penguin bad day, one right? bad day, and he's doing Black Panther at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really fun. For real, yeah. make sure yeah. you nominate him for the Breakthrough Writer this year, right, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Adorable. I see how you are. <laughs> uh, I will also throw it in for uh, whoa <laughs> for the X Men. <laughs> I think you made a really good point. I was thinking about this last night about how when they relaunched the X-Men with Hickman and, and all all involved, it was such a party and it was such a revival and it, you know, breathed new air into this franchise and we were all on board. It's been so long. What's that? <laughs> it's been so long since it's been like enjoyable. Mm-hmm. No, you're yeah, dead, but like that's down. the thing. Like it kind of started to taper off a little bit, and it yeah. started to meander. And I think they lost some of the connectivity, and you know there was a little bit of a, a change up in creators and stuff like that. And it it made it a little bit 
harder to follow from uh, from book to book. But with the, I guess, most recent relaunch that they've done uh, and kind of repositioning some of these books, there are, again, a handful of X titles that are must reads every month. And they did it all over again. And I really Mm -hmm. think that this whole era of, you know, Krakoa and the resurrection stuff and what uh, mutants can do for humans and what, you know, humans can't participate in and that dividing them and stuff like that. It's a new way to tell those stories that they've always told with the X-Men. And after personally catching up on X-Men and X-Men Red, like I'm right back in there where like, I wish that I could be reading all the ones that were mentioned on today's uh, show. I'm just going to have to to wait for some sales, but it all is pulling me back in again. And I think it's awesome that they were able to do that again this year. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I mean, X, Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red, X-Men, the main book. I think they're all just, they're hitting on every, they're following on every cylinder, man. They're just, just giving you a great, great story it is not they are not leading with because the stories are internal and they're not all about the x-men against everyone else even though there is that element there you get to see that not even all the relationships inside the mutant community are are these sort of love-based relationship there's 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 divisiveness there's there's but there's a mission, there's a goal. And I don't know, I don't know if you had noticed that kind of does reflect a little bit of what kind of happens in the world. But, you know, it's just the fact that they are drawing attention to those stories um, and, and sort of seeing, you know, what, what happens when this other community excels, you know, and exceeds the expectation of those that have been in, in authority for so long. How does everyone sort of respond to that um, and seeing how they deal with it? I, I just think having that thread you know, while at the same time having the internal struggle struggles and then even returning to the vault, I'm just saying, uh, was, <laughs> was just fun. We've been doing this best of awards for years and we've been talking about X-Men going into the vault, I think for the last <laughs> four of them. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think at least. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they made it. I, well, all I'm saying is I, as I said on episode one of the best ofs, I've been a slut for the X-Men since day a one. And uh, so you're saying the X-Men is your slut era is what you're saying. Yes. And, and yes, for the last 60 years of my life. <laughs> um, so it, it makes me really, it makes me really happy to see the line really uh, enjoying this Renaissance and enjoying this Renaissance of, characters and history and creators and a really a really compelling interpretation of the allegory of mutants as you're talking about Aaron applied in a kind of 21st century setting right uh with this and a comic-y setting like like here's this island in the middle of the ocean where all the mutants live and they are heroes like that is so that can only happen in comics and they are running with it across all these different books some land some don't but it's just really really wonderful and the fact that (laughs) the fact that we're able to have books like exterminators new mutants x-men red um even bombs like X-Core, you know, they're just, they're just trying yeah. stuff and, mm-hmm. and some stuff is really, really, really landing. I hear that the crossover that they just had with Avengers and Eternals is stupendous. <laughs> You'll get there, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Hang on. 
We believe in you, Joe. <laughs> Robin, do you want to jump in here uh, and say anything about sex education? Oh, God, it makes me so happy. I uh, I binge watched the first season of, of Sex Education one time when Steve had to go away for work. And when he came back, I was just like, OK, so there's this show that you need to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it took a little bit, not not because he wasn't interested in it, but because he definitely had seen an ad for it and was like, yes, no, definitely. That's one I want to watch. But just because there's always so much on our to be watched list. Um, but when we finally got there, holy crap, we just tore through it. And now we're back. We're getting caught up on season three. And oh, God, that show makes me so happy. There's just the casting is freaking brilliant. Every single person pulls their weight. And I there's not an episode that I don't feel a full range of emotion. You know, it just, yeah. oh, God, it makes me laugh so hard. Looking forward yeah. to seeing Shruti Gatwa and his Doctor, Doctor Who oh. role. Oh. I am dying. I That casting is brilliant. I am so excited. Oh, I, can't, I can't wait for Dan Levy to join the cast of uh season four for sex education i forgot about that yeah yeah i think that i think that's gonna go well i i i know that sometimes historically um bringing in a north american element into a british show can be sketchy but it can Mm. be done well it can and certainly (laughs) certainly if anybody Mm. can do it maybe dan levy is the one to do but um yeah i'm i just Oh God! Him as the doctor is—that's just goals. I'm so the energy I'm, that I'm, the doctor I'm, is going to have. <gasps> the yeah. dancing, please bring the dancing in. Like that is just so fabulous and fantastic. And I just—I am a firm believer that everything is made better by some weirdly aggressive dance moves. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I need Morbius. it in my Doctor Who. <laughs> Everything, even Morbius, even Morbius. Morbius has brought everyone such joy (laughs) around the year. (laughs) When you really get down to it, oh man! All right, Um, anybody else want to? Yes, I definitely want to jump in to say I was so happy that you brought up Jane Foster and the Nubia books this year. In in a lot of ways, through a Wonder Woman event that didn't go very well as far as i was concerned the nubia character was the standout here in her 50th yeah. year mm-hmm. and with some great creators a very diverse cast of creators on a book that really serves this character much better than has through these decades just loving it have you gotten to see the the new jla special um yeah yeah yeah. the most recent one yeah. the, the one that was yeah yeah i read that i thought that was great again i was just i i part of, i think part of what i was saying was i would love to see a Nubia, Joe Mullen, and now I think Hawk Girl, uh, little oh yeah, Birds of Prey type scenario, which would be fun. Go with that, and and the Jane Foster Mighty Thor mini, where she gets to be Valkyrie and Thor. It's Torn Gronbeck. Just we know she she was there with Aaron doing some of the books together, and on their own. Uh, you could never know which which 
Yeah. Who, who, who was doing what? Who was putting what in there? But reading Torin's work since, there's so much heart. There's so much of the mythology that seems to be in, in the DNA of these books is definitely now coming, not from Jason Aaron, but from Torin Grunbeck. And I'm, you, you please keep giving us more Jane Foster and whatever, whatever little mini you want to put out every now and again. Doesn't have to be an ongoing, but find a, another good story and tell. And this was a great one. Absolutely. Um, Aaron, I did have a question. Can you repeat the name of that um, uh, sci-fi set in Africa? So there's two of them. One is uh, The New Masters. The New Masters, okay. And the other one is Land of the Living Gods. Land of the Living Gods. You got so mad at me when I was like, you heard of this New Masters book? <laughs> it was like number four. I was like, I swear to God. Are you shitting me? <laughs> what? To God. <laughs> I love that. Almost had Aaron looking for his passport to come and kick my ass. <laughs> it's like, I'm on the road. <laughs> you just let me know, Aaron. I'll tidy up the spare room for you. <laughs> All right. Anybody else want to jump in here before we move on to some other stuff? All right. Uh, excellent presentations all. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. 14 minutes, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Very no much. way. Yes, yeah. I was. That felt yeah, like was... 36 minutes. <laughs> from 2 o'clock to 14. I, I'm timing. <laughs> well, I know how you hang on every word, S.H.L. So. <laughs> all right. This is it. This is the big time. We have got uh, two more shared topics to get through this episode. And the first one up is favorite overall comics of 2022. <gasps> up for interpretation, but favorite overall comics of the year. I Does anybody want to go first or should I pick someone? I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, I have to throw it in for Ghost Lights because um, it's so phenomenal. The story is so huge. Uh, the art is so beautiful. And the, the story is both enormous and tiny at the same time, which I know sounds ridiculous, but it is. Like the scope of it is um, both the interpersonal lives of these two men and the entirety of Mother Nature at the same time. Hmm. And the the timeline of it is both sort of like a couple of years as a coming of age story and eternity. <laughs> oh wow! There's a, the time what they do a there's a recap in episode thirty and it is quite spectacular. Um, I I can't get into it more without spoilers, but it is just I can't recommend it enough. Um. So if you like sort of a beautiful, uh, heartwarming, uh, pining kind of, but very out there, slightly supernatural and kind of creepy, if that appeals, like I just, I cannot recommend that one enough. Um, Heartstopper, absolutely killing it every day. So that, that has to be mentioned for for best overall comic because it's so good it's so good just dealing with mental illness and um coming of age and just 
the whole host of stories of these individual characters coming together and it's so heartwarming and cheerful and positive and yet not kind of brushing off the the tragedies of, of life which I love um, but I have to give it up for Be My Villain that's probably my absolute favorite book just because I have the best time with it um, it's beautiful it's adorable it's a superhero story where the quote-unquote bad guy is the love interest for the son of the two superheroes <laughs> And I love it so much. It's so cute. I read a couple of episodes of this. It's really funny. It's adorable. Yeah. The art is really cool looking and it's just a pleasure to read. And the author is hysterical and is just like, did this really heart wrenching twist in the last couple of episodes. And, um, is sitting back and reading all of the comments as we all die emotionally <laughs> and <laughs> laughing about it on social media. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably my favorite, my favorite for 2022. Awesome. Just those two. Yeah. Three. three ghost lights, be my villain and Heartstopper. Oh, okay. 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 Um, Heartstopper. I will talk about Heartstopper again in a little bit. Uh, let's see here. John, why don't you go next? Um, really three books stood out to me this year. There was lots of good books, but uh, Zdarsky's Batman. Um, mm -hmm. I could not wait for each issue of that. Um, I can't wait to see what comes up next. Batman Superman World's Finest. Absolute amazing uh, book. I can't wait for every issue. It is both modern and takes me back to, you know, my preteen years sitting on my couch, reading all those classic DC books that I had in my long box that I carried around with me. Um, it, it is just enjoyable, but the book of the year do a power bomb. Yeah. Seven issues of heart breaking, heart endearing, uplifting, depressing and just pure violence even the, the the teams that they were taking on i yes. felt bad for the last the last final match oh my god literally so, uh, um no that book moved me that daniel warren johnson is amazing like i said in in a, a earlier some of those panels my my stomach was dropping because it was so crazy. And the end of number two changed everything. I, I, I don't think we could get in the chat quick enough to talk about that. So honestly, as someone who doesn't it. read do a power bomb, but is in the chat, this has been so entertaining for me. <laughs> like I can't even, I obviously I'm going to need to read this over the holidays. Like that's obviously I'm going to need to read this, but it has been so incredible reading the interactions from you guys <laughs> without having the context. Oh, chef's kiss. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my God. All right. Anything else, John? Nope. Those are the three highlights. All right. Uh, Joey, why don't you go next? 
Uh, let me tell you about this book called Do a Powerbomb by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, no, I, I, you know, John, John captured it pretty expertly there. It's, it's a book that took over our lives. You know, every year there's like one that does. And, and this was that one this year. Um, moving, expertly crafted. I don't, I don't have anything to add. It's just that that was the first book I put on my list mm-hmm. and it never moved. Same thing with that Texas blood, Chris Condon, Jake Phillips. Like this was a book that I've talked about incessantly over the course of the last few years, but particularly this year, I just found to be a masterclass in comic storytelling in rural noir in, in, you know, tension and suspense. I, I just, I, I adore every single panel of that book. Um, the other three texts, the other three texts, the other three works on my, on my list are graphic novels. Um, and I've talked about them in my um, presentation two episodes ago, but Squire ducks and it's lonely at the center of the earth. Yes. And again, I don't want to take up too much time because I already talked ad nauseum about these three. But for very different reasons, they are all fantastic examples of, you know, what graphic narratives can be and can do, whether they're deeply personal or they are fantasy. Um, They can represent things about its creators and represent things about its readers that really nothing else can. Um, So... That's my list. Do a power bomb. That Texas blood squire ducks, and it's only at the center of the earth. Damn, it's a fine list. I like it. Uh, Bob, why don't you go next? Sure. Hopefully, you can hear me over the car that's across the street doing terrible things. <laughs> You're good. Uh, starting off with something that last year we actually pulled out of our competition and just gave it an award, but Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, Volume Two. Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gene Ha, uh, Wesley Wong, Clayton Cowles. It, it is someone who, as, as someone who's read Wonder Woman for 60 years with throwing that number around, it's stunning to find amazing new things to read about these characters and their history. I read a lot of Kelly Sue DeConnick's work, nearly all of it across these years of this podcast. I don't think she's ever been better than here. And what she's pulling out of her collaborators, Gene has a, a multiple Eisner Award winner. And it's as if you're seeing this work for the first time. Phil Jimenez on volume one. And now if, if anyone's got a chance to see what some of Nicholas Scott's art looks like for volume three, it is just mm-hmm. simply incredible. So Wonder Woman Historia number two, just in general, the series itself. Spoken a lot already about Defenders Beyond. Absolutely trippy, mind-blowing, crazy, crazy stuff brilliant at every level my favorite book of the year is poison ivy oh all right so that's for me awesome aaron you are next all right so i got a couple got a few i got several all right i just roll roll this up. <laughs> all right so bob already talked about his story of the amazons which i had in there already seven secrets we talked about earlier marauders by steve orlando i'm sorry seven secrets by tom taylor um, already poured one out for uh, Once in Future, Karen Gillan, World's Finest, Mark Wade is amazing. Uh, Sins of the Black Flamingo uh, was just a stellar, stellar you know effort uh, that just spoke to me. But again, I'm going to jump behind you a power bomb by Daniel Warren Johnson. Nice. And there you have Rightly it. Rightly so. 
All right. Am I the last one? You were the last, the last one. To go. I think so. Oh, boy. All right. Well, buckle up. Because <laughs> I got a list. <laughs> when Steve was like, all right, my presentation is 10 minutes long. Right. We, we were waiting for this. This is the yeah, other yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's like, like, sir. here we go here we go favorite overall comics of the year first one on my list is always never this is an original graphic novel created by jordi lofbre and published by europe comics always never is the story of a 40 year old affair told backwards from the couple finally getting together to the start of their epic and complicated courtship I think this book is brilliant. The art is like Sylvain Chaumet uh, meets Colleen Coover. And the delivery of the story is really unique and fun to follow. I was kind of shocked when the book started at the end and then worked its way to the beginning. Um, told by the like the chapter breaks and stuff like that. Uh, just a really cool way to deliver this story. Uh, the art is absolutely spectacular. And it made me feel good inside. So always never. Uh, from Europe Comics. Next on my list is Batgirls. Woo! I'm not sure. Yes, I'm not sure I can say anything about Batgirls that Bob hasn't said already. But Batgirls from Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, uh, Jorge Corona, Sarah Stern, and the rest of the team is a bright light that pierces the darkness of DC's mainline Batverse. Uh, it'll probably get canceled because nothing good ever lasts for too long in comics, but I'll enjoy every <laughs> issue while it's here. The curse lives. Yes. <laughs> Batman. Na, 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 na. Zadarsky's mainline Batman book hit the ground running with fail safe and hasn't stopped to catch its breath ever since. The series does not let up and holy bat shit. The art is incredible. It looks even better in print uh, as one of the few books that's still on our pull list at our local LCS. As much as I loved King's previous run and even Tynan had a moment uh, with his short-lived stint, I think this is going to be the tenure to remember for Batman. Uh, Batman One Dark Knight. This was from Jacques. I love, love, loved the story. This is up there alongside last year's Batman the Imposter as one of my all-time favorite Bat books. Just engaging from beginning to end. Really uh, stupendous art from Jacques and great storytelling from him as well. Batman Superman World's Finest. Uh, in my notes here, I have, I'm still in the middle of reading this, but I have caught up and finished it. Uh, one of the best Batman slash Superman books I have ever read. And I'm really glad to be caught up and on board. Defenders <gasps> Beyond still have no idea what happened, but I can't wait to read it again to hopefully understand it a little bit more. Don't need to, but it'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> Rodriguez's psychedelic art is the perfect complement to Ewing's tripped out superhero story. And I loved every page, despite feeling very out of my depth the entire time. Don't care. Still amazing. Uh, only because these are in alphabetical order. Do a power bomb, of course. Daniel Warren Johnson. I have been overcome with emotion while reading this comic so, so many times. The gut-punching twists and killer cliffhangers were some of the best writing that I've seen in comics all year. Daniel Warren Johnson just hits you over the head uh, near the end of Murder Falcon, and then he takes that 
magic and he does it like three or four times throughout the series and every one of them hits so hard i love the motion in the art the wrestling is so so cool in this you can feel the pile drivers you can feel the snap of the neck and everybody in their holds and twists and everything it's amazing uh the other wrestlers stories some of them are so heartbreaking and it really like even getting to know them in one issue or one four page backstory and knowing that everyone that's entering into this tournament that Necroton is throwing, they all have a reason to be there. And Daniel Warren Johnson understands the mission of making you feel about characters very quickly, even if they're about to be taken off the board because they need to matter and it serves the story really, really well. Um, This is my absolute favorite series of the year. There's no question about it. Uh, The final opponent in this story is such a bold move. And the final page is just of the whole series is God feels feels all over the place. Uh, Next book on my list is ducks two years in the oil sands. Uh, As Joey talked about this earlier, Kate Beaton's autobiographical story about her years in the oil sands is nothing short of brilliant storytelling. She always delivers every time she comes out with something. It's always special. Um, Two years was a hard read, but a a very eye-opening read. And I I think it's a story that people could benefit from uh, checking out. And uh, moving on, it's Lonely at the Center of the Earth, Zoe Thorogood. We've talked about this a lot over the last couple of episodes, so I'm not going to go on and on about it. But uh, right alongside Do a Powerbomb, this is my other favorite comic book release. I'm so, so glad that I read this, I think, just last week uh, before our award so that I could, you know, throw my hat in the ring for it. It's some of the most creative and intense comic book making I've ever seen. And I... Just hope that everybody goes and checks it out after listening to these episodes. It is a ride. It's, again, a bit of a hard read, but it's beautiful, all told. Uh, Something that I read this year that didn't come out this year is that I absolutely loved was The Low Low Woods. Uh, This came out from Carmen Maria Mikado and Danny on art. Hands down, one of the scariest comics I've read, period. Uh, the Logo Woods takes place in Shudder to Think, Pennsylvania, and tells the story of L and V, two young women hoping to survive, exposing a secret in their small town that has been kept for generations. This is the kind of story that once you find out what's going on, you need to rethink everything you've read. I love stuff like that. Uh, it speaks to the length some people will go to maintain an illusion instead of confronting horrors happening right outside of their door. I loved this and highly recommend that you seek it out. It's on uh, the DC Infinite and Beyond app, so uh, no excuse not to read it if you have that. Next up, I just got a few more. Poison Ivy. Talk about this again. Uh, This feels like a direct continuation of Pamela Isley from Spotify's Batman Unburied podcast. Shout out to that again. Uh, And I never want it to end. G. Willow Wilson understands Ivy in ways other writers have not. It is a mass revenge plot with Cronenbergian gore set to a ticking timer as Pamela slowly poisons herself for the good of the green. It is just so fucking good, and I highly recommend it to everyone. 
Next on my list is She-Hulk. Surprisingly steamy, endlessly charming, and outlandishly arted. Rainbow Rowell's uh, She-Hulk is the book Jen has deserved for too many years. Next on my list is Strange. A late addition to the list, Bob was right. (laughs) Strange might be the best Doctor Strange book I've ever read. And I'm going to be bummed out when uh, Stephen inevitably returns to his role as the Sorcerer Supreme. The book is full of snark. I fell in love with Clea Strange immediately. And I'd like to arrange for a date in the dog park uh, for Bats the Bloodhound and Lucky the Pizza Dog, please. And thank you. (laughs) Uh, Two more. The Variants. Gail Simone writing Jessica Jones with multiversal madness all around. Need I say more? And last but not least on my list... Uh, a little bit of class here, some Chabouté, Christophe Chabouté, uh, his adaptation of uh, Benno Cohen's novel about a burnt out filmmaker who finds new inspiration after becoming a cab driver for New York City. This is a love letter to the Big Apple, and it's something that New York, every New Yorker should read. There is a constant traffic of fascinating characters coming and going throughout the story, and it provides a unique window into the cabbie scene that I never would have known until reading this book. Uh, This is a tremendous, tremendous work from Chabouté. Absolutely love it. And that is my list of my favorite overall comics Mm -hmm. of the year. AKA your second presentation. (laughs) Right. Right, I'm boss. <laughs> Do what I want. Any questions? Any comments? Anybody want to talk about any of the books that I mentioned? What more could we no, say? I, yeah, I think they've all been mentioned already. Wow! Wow! wow. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty exhaustive. Yeah. I feel like Rodney Danger over Dangerfield over here. No respect. You say it was thorough. <laughs> Listen, I tried. All right, I really tried. All right, let's let's do our last topic for this uh, celebration of comics. Our favorite talking comics moments of the year. Chris had already Yay. shared theirs last episode, yeah. and now Joey is going to go first because he made a noise. What I just said, yay! This exactly. was the this is the category that I'm happiest made it onto the shows this year um, because I feel like we do so many things throughout the year. Right? You know, we do this show every week, and now there's two shows every week. That's crazy. Uh, no one else, no one else does it like we do. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> no other okay. podcast network. You know, ad free. Get out of town. <laughs> That's that well, part's true. He, he yeah, that, that part there, is true. Yeah. Um, no, I, I. There are t- tons of moments that I'm sure you all will bring up as well, but I just wanted to bring up. Um, Two, one isn't really a moment. It's just the the outpouring of well wishes and congratulations after um, Emily and I got married from the podcast feed and everything. And, and hearing you guys talk about it on the show, too, is just really wonderful and, and really charming to know that, you know, we I have this community that, that I can be a part of as well. So that that's one thing that I just really adored this year. But my favorite moment of all time this year is episode 536 the legendary 
two-hander with me and Bob Breyer. I knew it. I knew it. I knew. When I was looking at the list of episodes from this year, I knew you were going to that. How could I not? How could I not? It's Monday. We're getting ready to record. And then you, Steve, Aaron, and John are all like, something came up. Yep. And Bob and I are like, all right, guess we're doing it. Um, Roll up the sleeves. Roll up the sleeves. We're jumping in. Thank God Brian K. Vaughn had put in a 30 question survey in the back of saga 54 or whatever. Uh, Cause we were like, all right, that'll fill an hour. Um, <laughs> we did that. And, and, you know, we said it at the top of that episode and I was like, you know, Bob always says that we can't go a week without an episode of talking comics. So we've made it work. And I thought the two of us had a great time. And then Emily of course was able to hop on as well. We Jerry rigged a, a second mic situation and, uh, she made her podcast debut and there was a, a very positive review in the Apple thread about her episode mm-hmm. two. So, you know, I, I think that that is that is a very fond moment uh, connected to many people that that um, I'm I, I adore. And it's it's just something that I will never forget having to do and doing well, I thought. So, um, yeah, episode 536 two hander. Yeah. <laughs> sounds so dirty i have you met any of the episode titles i love it <laughs> the episode was entitled bob and joey in the morning <laughs> all right uh john what are your moments oh I, <laughs> anything well, from the summer of john the summer of john <laughs> Um, no, I, I, nothing. Well, the one thing that really stuck out at me is, and it never made the air. Thank God. Um, was <laughs> the, the, the tragic, uh, first take of our Thor <laughs> love and thunder. Review. Uh, I, I, I imagine, Why would you bring that up? <laughs> because I have this imagination of Peter Jackson spooling film together 30 or 40 years later. Dysfunction. <laughs> that happened um and then the good part though is we came back and ever since then i think we have probably been on some of the best runs uh best shows that that we've ever done um i think adding chris to the mix um obviously my new bestie uh and just the the randomness that that this show has become um yes it's talking comics but it's really talking everything or anything and there are no limits um has been great uh i think i probably got the most attention or emails and tweets uh from my total dismantling of the paw patrol (laughs) Uh, uh, but they're really i and i love the show and and everything about it one of the the most fun things i have in the day is just watching the chat our chat could be amazing and there have been days. This has been a this has been a, a, a rough year for me. Uh, there have been days that I've been sitting at the hospital, and I check the chat, and there is just so much stupidity going on. <laughs> wow, you're welcome. I love it. It's just like, good God, what are we discussing now? Oh, oh, the millennials are going on about Taylor Swift. All right, oh, wait, listen. wait. Steve found a book that we all read five years ago. And he thinks it's- <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's laying down some law. Oh, Bob popped in. Hey, Bob. No one's like, 
Oh, I just, I just, I love what we've become and, and I can't wait to get back more into it next year. Uh, and, and just everything that all the support and everything. So it's not just one moment. I just think I love this community that we've created and, and it, it, it is really an amazing, uh, little echo sphere that we have. And I love it. Aw. Amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> <sighs> Look, I can't, I, I can't be responsible for knowing when cool stuff comes out all the time. Hey, you guys heard of this Watchman thing? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What's this JSA I keep hearing everybody talk about? I don't know, but I heard this Axe book. I... Right. <laughs> What's, what's, what's this secret invasion you all keep talking about? Oh. So good. So good. Uh, Bronwyn, why don't you go next? Well, I know we've talked about it quite a bit, but absolutely a memorable one for me was John popping off on Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> I, I... I seriously, I think my face hurt for 24 full hours after that. <laughs> oh my God. I laughed so hard. Defund Paw Patrol. I, I can't with that. I laughed so hard. I've never heard anyone get so angry. <laughs> Storing it up for years. Just waiting. For um, John, that was amazing. And Thank I appreciate you. you. I love it. Thank um, you. Aaron. <laughs> Uh-oh. You being totally unprepared for the mention of hardcore anal with the Sasuke sisters. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I wasn't ready. I was not ready. I will be clear. I'll be honest. I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> not the room I thought I'd hear that in today. But okay. Oh, that made my well. whole damn day. <laughs> um,. But honestly, probably um, probably closer to the beginning of the year, but the rainbow-colored middle finger episode, Chris's first episode, getting to interview everyone. I always love doing that. I love it when you guys invite me into your world. This is such a fun community, as John said, and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to be a more active participant in it this year. Aw, yay. We love having you here. I'll have more on that in a little bit. I appreciate you. Aaron, do you want to go next? Sure. One of them, I don't even remember if it was this year, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because I think it transcends. But um, but the other few I have are not actually things that happened on the air, but things I ended up we ended up talking about on the air. And one was brunch for Bob's birthday, mm-hmm. which was great. Uh, good to see everyone, all in New York, as we were we met for brunch in Midtown. Uh, and then sort of walked around and uh, and then Joey and Emily had better things to do and better people to hang out with. So they, they cut off. <laughs> then we went to get something to drink. As I recall, uh, they were going to see everything everywhere all at once. No, as anything goes. Very yeah, different. Goes. Yeah. Similar, similar to film, but very different. Okay. <laughs> um, the next thing was the wedding of Pacino, which Aww. was awesome which was fun to be there and it was an honor to be invited especially when the alarm went off and they had to do act one take two again <laughs> uh so uh and then uh friend of the show uh carolyn coca and i had awesome con being in the same room as simu Liu, you know oh. just sort of is <laughs> he digging our nails into each other's thighs as every time he opened his mouth to say something and <laughs> just like oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's he's talking. Oh my god. So there's that. But then again, can't remember if it was this year or not, but for some reason it just transcends. But the corollary between Flavor Fave and Fried Chicken. <laughs> made by John on the show. Uh, yes. I just thought was just stellar radio. <laughs> it just, just needed to be brought up again. So. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, God. Just, just in case John that. doesn't have enough enemies already. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just he, he was just so fluid with it. He was like, oh, yeah, did you know he has a... I saw flavor. Did. It was you know he has a fried chicken place? He did. <laughs> Like, oh, it went out okay. of business. <laughs> it's like we went right there, did we? Okay. If, if you weren't going to get canceled for the furry hate, <laughs> the chicken hate will get you. Oh god! Oh gosh! Well, that's all. Those are my some, some of my moments. Again, we appreciate every single opportunity we have. You know, I think all of us to get together every week. Mm. But you know, there's definitely some things that happen right when they're supposed to, to sort of you know brighten up each of our days. So, yeah. All right, I'm going to go next because I know better than to go after Bob Ryer. (laughs) So, all right, my first thing on my list, it brings me so much joy, even though sometimes I can't find anything and then I ask everybody for suggestions. But naming the Talking Podcast episodes is so much fun for me. I love how random they are, how weird some of the titles are. And I I think they're a good reflection of what this show has become and some of the randomness and the way that nobody takes themselves too seriously on this show. And uh, I think it's a, it's a reflection of us having a good time. So that always brings me a lot of joy. Uh, Another thing is webtoon exploration. I'm really glad that I'm starting to get into that arena. I talked about it a little bit earlier when I did my webtoon uh, list but uh, that's been awesome. And there's no there's no better uh, ushers into that universe than Bronwyn and Chris there to give suggestions and tell you what's what around there. So I'm very grateful to have that as a resource. Next on my list is my Heartstopper journey. I read the series and rolled right into the Netflix show. I think I was even still catching up on the last uh issues that were available when the Netflix show dropped, but seeing that near one-to-one comparison as, as a companion piece, something like when we watched uh, I kill giants, when that movie came out Mm -hmm. and it was that story, but also a little bit more, but a good little bit more um, something that made the story feel more complete. That's what, you know, the show version of Heartstopper is doing and Heartstopper is just tremendous. I love it. Uh, our, okay. (laughs) Talking comics gets morbed. The (laughs) overall strife and fuss about Sony's Morbius has been some of the funniest crap that whether it's on air or off the air conversations, we've had, uh, just exhaustion from the whole thing and everybody collectively just dumping on this movie and then bringing it back and fooling the studio uh, for all that that movie sucks, it is great that we have all the other stuff surrounding it to look back on and remember the time of the Morbius. <laughs> Our uh, Ms. Marvel spoiler cast is also on my list. I loved finally being able to get together uh, with so many people that were 
fans of this character from the very beginning that as a podcast, we've taken that journey together and waited and waited and waited for them to get wind of Ms. Marvel and actually do something with that character. And then that show came out and it was such a celebration of Kamala and the culture and everything like that. And it ended up being one of the best superhero offerings of the year uh, in terms of like film or television and stuff like that. And I just love that it came out and we could all be excited about it and that it wasn't a disappointment and that a lot of the people, all the people making that show, they understood the mission. They, they knew what the job was and they did it. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Iman Vellani and more from Ms. Marvel uh, in the coming years. Joey Braves Robo Burger. Oh God. <laughs> is another is one of my favorites. I loved hearing about that story and how it continued over the, the weeks that you went back to go and check on it. And it was shut down. And we were trying to decide how it works. If there's a person inside making the burgers. <laughs> Just amazing. Uh, I love weird conversations like that. Uh, next on my list, John euthanizes the Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Paw Patrol showing up on a lot of lists. It is definitely on mine. Uh, I love when you go off. John, you seem to have a couple of things that you've just been waiting to like exercise and get out there into the world. And I'm glad that this podcast can be an outlet for that <laughs> and that we get to share in your frustration because you have got some passion, my friend. And it is great. It's great. I love it. Uh, just a few more here. The Sasuke sisters interview is definitely one of my favorite moments of talking comics of the year. Always love having the Saskas on and laughing with them and hearing about what they've got going on. And I just, I love that when they come on here, they push the boundaries of what this show can be, especially interview wise, a little bit more each time. And if their last interview is any indication, I have no idea what's going to happen the next time that they come on. Uh, looking forward <laughs> to that. And, uh, this is kind of a two a two hander, if you will, for my last two. But talking comics, thirsty on tune, crossover chaos. Yeah, I love. I, I mentioned it in one of the other episodes. I love that. Bron, I don't mean to talk about you as if you're not here. Obviously, you're here. But like Bronwyn and Chris getting together, coming up with an idea, making a show, and going all the way with it they have more merch than we do <laughs> we've been around for for 11 years now and we've they've got notebooks and all kinds of things but i love the show i love the energy that that flows through the two of you when you do it and i love chris guesting on here i love it when you guest on the show and that we're all in this together and we can all share this thing that we've built over the years and have this outlet for sharing our love about comics and art and story and characters and all the things that we love. And I think John, you know, said it best when he was pointing out how the show has become about a whole bunch of things uh, and not just comics. And I think that it was always going in that direction. Um, it's been around for a long time. And so shows 
have to evolve. It can't just stay the same for that long. Um, I don't think that that's anything that we would all want to do. But I think that the show has grown in some really, really positive ways. There's a lot more representation on the show uh, as of late. Conversations are uh, a lot gayer and a lot more fun. There is a there is a different energy rippling through the show, and it's different from week to week. But it's always good, and there's always passion, and I really appreciate that we're all still dedicated to making this happen every week, um, no matter how many people are hosting it or what's going on. We might even have to have a solo show one week. You never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the other thing on my list was the addition of Thirsty on Tune and, you know, welcoming uh, Bronwyn and Chris into the fold uh, again Thank or you. for the first time. And I just appreciate you being here yeah. and, you know, all of you being a part of this, this has meant a lot to me over the years. And I, you know, there are times when I get frustrated with it, but as soon as I get here, as soon as we log in, as soon as we make that room and we hit record and we start going, there are multiple times within the hours that we're recording when I'm reminded as to why we do this and why this is so much fun. And I, you know, just, appreciate being here with everyone it's some of some of the best years that i've ever had uh in my friendships with others so thank you very much mm. and that's it for me <laughs> uh bob would you care to go next hold on let me get, let me get a kleenex hold on yeah. stop yeah stop uh, <laughs> because i'm gonna i'm gonna lead with jen and sylvia saska so no, no kleenex yet <laughs> except for some other reason maybe i don't know well well <laughs> Well, okay. oh, shit. Wow. It took me a second. That was good. That wow. was really good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I didn't expect that either. I kind of knew what their movie was about, but I didn't think the discussion would go where it went. And as you say, Steve, that's the joy of having them around here. It's just, it's just, they're, they're, they're brilliant filmmakers and absolute nuts. And it just, just works wonderfully together. As you pointed out, the new energy brought to us by, by Chris and Bronwyn has led to so many wonderful interactions with in the community we had before in a way that we hadn't, whether it's Damien or Poor Patrol or all the rest of the things that are going on <laughs> around here. And I also want to throw a shout out to everybody else who filled that revolving seat this year who did similar work in, in Carolyn, Melissa, Nikki, Kristen Gudsnuck. Emily was on twice, Joey, if you remember. She was on with us and then appeared on our quiz night, which was another highlight when she gave you the answer to a <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, there, was, there was collusion. Collusion. There was cahoots going on over there. But she, I'd uh, love to have Emily on some more, especially that she's getting positive uh, feedback from, from our fans. And that is another thing that I will certainly finish with. But as, as you say, Steve, we hit record. You know, my favorite talking comics moment is every time that button goes on. It's Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, wherever we're doing, from wherever and however. Um, it's it's something that has I'll I'll be corny. There are more pages gone on my calendar than are coming, hmm. and so that I have this amazing group of friends who are all over the world who can make my day better with an email, with a thing in the chat, with with the podcast. It's pretty incredible. 
pretty incredible. So um, I thanks to all you folks sitting here with me metaphorically and all you guys out there too. And on that, my, my favorite moment of the year was this year's Talking Comics meetup at the Algonquin Hotel. Oh, we, yeah. we opened after being closed for the pandemic and, and restored to nearly what it looked like in 1902, except new. And I, I walk in, I'm a little late because I was persuaded. You try to get in to see Jamie Lee Curtis, just because they're sold out doesn't mean they're sold out. They don't know what they're doing. And yeah, managed to get in, uh, avoided taking a $50 cab ride by some guy who thought I was some newbie from out of town. Mm-hmm. Walk into the Algonquin, and there we all have the round table, no less. The famed nice. round table we're sitting at. And that Trish Reed and, and and Troy are here from Australia, along with Chris and Aaron and Carolyn, Melissa, Max. And they came to the to the yeah, the, to see the, the the con. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little um they came to see us yeah. from Australia, yeah. as did Chris. Really and amazing. then all, all my friends here are sitting around sort of, the, they're, they, they got this smile on their face. And she, she hands me a gift bag with uh, a poster from Nicholas Guy, a print that's sitting as I'm here looking at it, you know, to, to Bob, keep talking comics. Because they know Nicholas. Yeah. Um, we, and we've all had these interactions with folks over what we've accomplished here from a, a small idea to something that's touching more lives than ours. And our, not, again, not to be too corny about this, but this is the time of year for a lot of people between Christmas and new years that have difficulty. Mm-hmm. The holidays are kind of ending. There, there are those moments where they're with family and friends, so they don't have family and friends. Well, maybe they have us, you know, and, and as Joey said about there can't be a week without one of these shows. We've survived Superstorm Sandy, a pandemic where no books came out for three months. Mm-hmm. Oddball other things. And, and so at some level, some of you folks out there need us. We need you, too. Mm-hmm. You make our lives complete. So thank you for everybody. Oh, Bob. What he said. See, this is why I wanted to go first. Now <laughs> <laughs> you would sound really bad. And that's going to do it. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's that, there's no better note to end on than that. Yeah. But it's certainly not the end this of the fun. Talking Comics podcast. What? This was this fun. Was a fun yeah, new it fun. was. I, I enjoyed that a lot. I feel like we talked about so many things. <laughs> I think we talked about more books. We we yeah. because it was narrowed down debating them. It was all just loving. And now my phone's ringing. Of course, <laughs> I'm on mute. Hold on. <laughs> I think um, what I'll do is I'll have everybody send me their book list as much as you can. And what I'll do is I'll put them in the show notes, and I'll try to do it by host. So that if someone specific you know talked about something, it'll be under their name instead of it just being a mishmash of everything. Because okay. um, there's stuff that I heard about today that I haven't I haven't even uh, begun to think about. But I have purchased a few books during these episodes. <laughs> nice. So there's a lot of there's a lot of sales going on um, digitally, and we still have some credit over at uh, Heroes. 
in case we want to pick anything else up. But just so Bronwyn knows, uh, I picked up Rockstar and Soft Boy. Excellent. Hell yeah. He's uh, like, so our account wasn't hacked in case you see these things. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got Where Black Stars Rise. Excellent. That's on my uh, list. The Night Eaters, She Excellent. Eats the Night. Yep. You're going to love that. Yeah. I'm really, everything was, everything was very, like, I don't know if they're just listening to us or they're, they're tapping into our episodes, but a lot of the stuff that we talked about is on sale right now. So, um, you know, so go out there and check it out listeners. Well, well let me, you're um, going to need to add the new masters and la- land of the living land gods. The living. Cause I no, want to read for it. me, for me, it's Batman one bad day series, uh, world's finest. Yeah. And that always never you talked about, but that's an older book, but it sounded really good. So I don't really want to read it. And uh, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance um, until that really graphic moment happened. Oh, no, no. The no, big uh, one for me, Heartstopper. Oh, yeah. yeah I was just thinking, I got to check out Heartstopper. Holy right crap. Too. <laughs> um, I think Always Never is a 2022 book. It's the Lolo Woods. That was a 2020 book. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, then that's fantastic. Yeah, that uh, you would love Always, too, always Never. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Steve. I was just going to say, I think, Joey, you you of, of all the, the people here, I think you would really appreciate uh, Always Never. It's It feels like a Joey book. Sure. it's It's got a plot reminiscent of it. It's too old a movie, probably, for anyone around here to know. Uh, from 1967, it was called Two for the Road. And it's yeah. Audrey Hepburn and Albert Finney. And you get to see them at the end of their relationship. And then you, they tell the story. Stanley Donnan directed it, who also did Charade and Singing in the Rain, among other things. You see their relationship at four other points in their life. And it keeps intersecting and going sideways and backwards. And there's one very poignant line there. You see them young when they're first meeting. And they're sitting in a restaurant. And they look over at an old couple. And Finney's line is, "What? What? Uh, actually, it's Audrey to him. Uh, what kind of people sit in the restaurant and say nothing to each other? Uh, married people. Hmm. It comes back later Good on. Luck, they're the they're the old couple, and it's the same line now said with resolute sadness. So, hmm. what do we describe? Always, never is something I definitely want to read. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Like I said, the delivery of story is really unique. The art is over the top, and I absolutely loved it. Glad that one caught your fancy. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to say. Um, I mean, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and Happy Kwanzaa and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's happy to, this. Happy <laughs> to <laughs> all of that stuff. Uh, we really hope that you enjoyed the show. Uh, and that you join us in the new year for more episodes of the podcast. We will likely record something oh. uh, extra over the next couple of weeks. So this is this is going to be our winter break. Um, and But I'm sure that we'll be back before we come uh, back into regular shows throughout the year. But like I said, we're trying to get some things together uh, and maybe launch some things in the new year to give you more of what we do. And uh, well, to do that, let us know, you know, what you're looking forward to. What was your uh, 2022 like in comics? You can uh, send us lists. Let us know what you were reading and enjoying. Your uh, favorite you email of ours. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite Talking Comics moment? Um, you can email that stuff to us, podcast at 
com, uh, and we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics and on Hive at Talking Comics, uh, and on Instagram Talking Comics Podcast. Anybody, uh, anybody else got anything they want to share? Just keep checking us out on Instagram. We're trying to grow that community, and it's probably where we can put out a little, uh, yep. little ask us a question uh, about what your uh, or respond to us about what your favorite twenty twenty two Talking Comics moment was. Mm-hmm. You can find Thirsty uh, on Tune there too, and I will try and be better about actually posting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, uh, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey? Uh, Joey at talkingcomicbooks.com. Aaron? AJ in the 70 on Instagram. John, anything yet? Uh, John.Burkle on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that account. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. Oh, hold on. First, Bronwyn, where can people get in touch with you? <laughs> at shiny baby B, all the things. Excellent. Uh, Chris is at uh, the myth of psyche or like, what was that? Linktree? Linktree.com slash the myth of psyche. There you go. It's an, R- it's an RSS feed. Remember those? Good times. <laughs> uh, I am at dead underscore anchoress. Okay. I have a question. Joey. <laughs> I came across an Instagram account yesterday that is like a tribute account to you. Have you seen this? Yeah, the kids made that. Kids made that oh. years ago. Oh my God. Remember when Job was like, so much. Remember when Job was like, when, when Steve posts in the thread, here's this book I just read from five years ago. It's just what just happened. That, that tribute thread's been around for uh, four years now, I think, at this point. It's like the book of Brichino or something like yeah. that. <laughs> It's awful. I hate it. It's amazing. (laughs) I love it. All right, everybody. This has been fun. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Best of luck with everything in the new year. Be excellent to each other. Hold on for dear life. Until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. To be continued.